In confronting the sin of abortion, we must begin by focusing on it from a spiritual perspective. For as the Bible reminds us, Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Our primary enemy in fighting abortion is not the abortionists, the courts, or those who advocate for abortion on demand. Our enemy is the one who was a murderer from the beginning, Satan, and the spiritual forces under his command. Throughout history, these spiritual forces have operated primarily amid pagan cultures. And while few involved in abortion today are consciously engaging in child sacrifice, we need to understand that in the end, that is precisely what abortion is, the sacrifice of a human life for the convenience or needs of others. In this respect, it's no less barbaric than the human sacrifice practiced to ensure, for example, a successful harvest. But beyond this, there's a spiritual, satanically inspired dimension that gives frightening realism to abortion's identification with literal child sacrifice. The Bible supports this idea as often we see a particular action viewed by God as a manifestation of another, more fundamental sin, and sometimes one with a root in the occult. For example, rebellion is called witchcraft. Greed is likened to idolatry. Simply hating one's brother is akin to murder. And in the same way, abortion is simply a form of child sacrifice. There's so much in our Western society today that looks like the old paganism revived. So much of what is called the new morality is not new at all. It's the old immorality. It's the old paganism. We know about child sacrifice, human sacrifice. Before the gospel arrived in Africa, people running around naked, uh, killing and even eating their neighbors was not unknown. And uh, sacrificing babies was uh, uh, practiced and there was all kinds of human sacrifices performed. I know an area in, in uh, the northeast of South Africa called Venda, where the Vendan tribe worships the white crocodile god and it's Lake Fundudzi. And Lake Fundudzi, they'd have a beauty competition and the most beautiful girl amongst the Vendan people would be sacrificed to the crocodile god. And many of them would walk in there very excitedly, enthusiastically, think this is a great privilege. Others were not convinced and had to be carried kicking and screaming by their parents or brothers and thrown in. And of course, the crocodile's idea of marriage seemed to be just to eat the poor victim. Now, not a great incentive to be beautiful, but this kind of human sacrifice and this kind of grotesque uh, evil which you see in witchcraft-dominated societies, we now see in the West. In fact, not only do we see the same body piercings, tattoos, uh, stretching of earlobes and so on, which once the pagan tribes practiced, disfiguring their bodies, which the Bible describes as an abomination. But what about abortion? Is abortion today not like child sacrifice was in the past? Does it make any difference if the baby is killed by a witch doctor wearing skins and rattling bones around his neck uh, with an unhygienic blade or killed by some sophisticated university graduate in a white coat with uh, clinical uh, environment and sophisticated instruments. Does it make a difference? It's still child sacrifice. The baby's getting killed. 
And so I think we need to recognize that there's a new paganism coming into the West. It's seen in a lot of the music, it's seen in a lot of the art and for the killing of babies, and in so many different ways, the revival of occultism and uh, the, the fascination with, uh, with evil. In many ways, a lot of our cities today are darker spiritually than some of the deepest, darkest reaches of the jungle in the Congo uh, were in the past. And it's amazing that in Africa, as we get tens of thousands and millions of Africans moving away from animism, and away from witchcraft and coming to Christ, in massive people movements. And yet you find in the West, millions turning away from Christ, away from their Christian heritage, and going back to the paganism, which Christians in Asia, Africa, and the Pacific Islands have turned away from. The biblical origins of child sacrifice can be found in the account of Lot and his daughters. And Lot went up from Zoar and stayed in the mountains with his two daughters. Then the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old, and there's not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Now it so happens that there actually were men available not too far away geographically. But Lot's daughters had something different in mind. The earth throughout scripture is a symbol of the fallen, unregenerate realm, the arena over which Satan exerts his authority. James tells us, for example, that there's a wisdom from above that is pure and peaceable, but there's also a wisdom from below, which is earthly, natural, and demonic. In the same way that many modern feminists want men purely on their own terms, for example, merely as sperm donors, Lot's daughters wanted a man in this manner of the earth. So they made their father drink wine that night and lay with him. Through this gross act of rebellion against both their father and God, both women became pregnant, the oldest with a son she named Moab. His descendants, the Moabites, ultimately became an idolatrous nation and one of the primary enemies of God's people, Israel. The youngest daughter's son, Ben-Ami, became the father of the sons of Ammon. In the Book of Kings, we learn that Moloch was the detestable idol of the Ammonites. The name Moloch in Hebrew means to ascend the throne to, in other words, usurp God's rightful authority. Leviticus tells us that Moloch worship involved giving one's children to him, an idiom meaning to offer them as a sacrifice. While the Ammonites primarily practiced infanticide, sacrificing postnatal children, it's no coincidence that it was the Ammonites that God condemned in the book of Amos for a particular form of bloodthirstiness. For three transgressions of the sons of Ammon, and for four, will I not revoke its punishment, because they have ripped open the pregnant woman of Gilead in order to enlarge their borders. More than just expanding the boundaries of one's lands, enlarging their borders also suggests pushing the envelope as far as what's considered acceptable human conduct. How common this still is today, as what was once considered a crime against humanity is now accepted by our courts as a so-called right, as people insist that abortion is just a choice, and pro-lifers are to keep religion, meaning God, out of sight, mind, and the law. And they built the high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire 
to Moloch. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons as an offering to Baal. Here, the Bible implies what modern archaeologists and anthropologists have discovered, that Moloch and Baal represent the same pagan god. The wife of Baal is Asherah, and the wife of Moloch is Ashtaroth. Asherah and Ashtaroth represent the same fertility goddess. This demon was known to the Greeks as Aphrodite, to the Egyptians as Isis, and to the Phoenicians as Tanit. And surrounding all of them evolved a network of fertility cults that practiced sex magic, ritual prostitution, and child sacrifice. <laughs>